0: Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of floppy disks, fledgling writers, and the end of the world. I got some floppy disks for Christmas, I wish I never opened them. was originally released January 10th of 2020, and is read by yours truly, with music by Kevin McLeod and Vivek Abhishek. If you enjoyed this tale, make sure to drop by iTunes and leave us a review. Each bit of interaction with the show cozies us up to the algorithmic gods that control what content sinks or floats in this great web of information. Every little bit helps. With that said, grab something warm to drink, get cozy, and prepare to be terrified. I've been refreshing the homepage of every major news site for the past 12 hours looking for some sort of a hint about how the world is going to end. I know it's crazy, I know it's irrational, but I can't escape the feeling that there's only a couple days left before everything ceases to exist. I'm not exactly sober right now, so excuse me if I ramble, I just needed to get this out. For the past four years, I worked in a writing room for a children's TV show. If you're between the ages of 7 and 12, you might have heard of it. If you aren't, then you haven't. It wasn't exactly the most glorious of gigs. When I was younger, I imagined I'd be a household name by now, but reality sets in over time. Four years later, December 2021, we finish off the script for the final season. The writing team dissolves and we all gear up to enter the new year freshly unemployed. It was all pretty bittersweet. I don't think anyone had a particularly strong connection with the source material The last couple of weeks dealing with the studio notes were pretty tense, but most of us had been with the project from the start, and it felt weird saying goodbye to something we'd spent so long working on. I figured I'd look on the bright side and take the ending of the show as a sign it was time to move on to something new and exciting. I promised myself I'd write something gory and raunchy come January, with the hopes of getting myself past the G-rating mindset. I took some time off writing during the Christmas holidays, figured providing a bit of a buffer zone between projects would do me good, and I was also spending my first Christmas with my partner's family, so I didn't want to come off as antisocial. Outside of some awkwardness around me refusing wine during Christmas dinner, her family was all sorts of hallmark. Nice people, good food, decent potential in-laws. I got her dad a beard trimmer, because he has a beard, and her mom a book about dogs, because she likes dogs. They got me a fancy pen because I'm a writer. As far as inoffensive gifts go, I'd say we did pretty well. I'm not a big Christmas person. The whole gift-giving thing makes me anxious. But my partner managed to provide a gift that changed my life. A couple weeks back, my parents sold our first desktop computer to a collector. It was one of those blocky Macintoshes that had a power button in the back and would casually go yabba-dabba-doo every hour. A good old grandfather clock with a word processor built in. Before getting rid of the computer, my mother backed up all the files on a series of floppy disks. For Christmas, my partner gave me a stack of them. Everything I wrote between 99 and 05. My collection of completed works before we switched over to a computer that could handle colors. I was pretty floored. The idea of reading stuff I wrote when I was 12 filled me with equal parts curiosity and horror. I was expecting a lot of cringe. And a lot of cringe I got. But I also stumbled upon something that's had me scouring the internet for evidence of impending doom. On January 1st, while the rest of the world was slugging through their hangovers, I started reading through my old work. Reading your old writing is a trip. On a long enough timescale, you forget what you wrote, and you disassociate with the stuff on the page. You become an audience member, someone who is listening to a storyteller who is very similar to you, but a different person at the same time. My partner and I had a spat about something stupid after New Year's, so I spent the first week of January buried in the floppies. Basically all the stuff from 05 was something about how cruel and unjust love is, and how booze is the only thing that makes life worth living. Yeah, good old teenage angst. I had faint memories of being 18 and drunkenly staying up in the living room, thinking I was uncovering some sort of a cruel cosmic truth behind a keyboard. The 04 stuff was all romance stories in which the world conspired to tear two lovers apart. Basically, a life-affirming prequel to the bitter rambles of the O5 era. I traveled down memory lane floppy by floppy as the stories got less biographical and ventured more into the realm of space travel and elves. I've left plenty of projects half-finished over the past couple of years. Other stuff would come up, I would lose steam, or I just thought the idea wasn't worth my time. My younger self, however, stuck to his guns and finished every story. The endings weren't always super thought out, some would sail smoothly into conclusion, but most would just abruptly end. A dozen or so plot threads that were left completely dangling, conflicts that dissipated into nothingness, invading armies who just randomly decided to go home. Unsatisfying endings, but endings nonetheless. I was reaching the end of the stack, and the stories were becoming increasingly difficult to read. Space pirates here, space pirates there, evil magicians, and all that other noise a 12-year-old boy would come up with. My partner was mentally for a business trip the next week, so we had ourselves a little peace treaty dinner. Neither of us remembered what the original fight was about, and both of us were hungry. By the end of the meal, we were friends again. Gotta love long-term relationships. We came back home, had our first bang of the year, and then she passed out. I wasn't feeling like sleeping yet, so I snuck over to the computer for one last bedtime story. If I had only stayed in bed, I wouldn't be writing this right now. Instead, I went over to the living room and picked out a floppy labeled The Novel. Like most fledgling pen monkeys, my first attempt at writing anything was a novel. There was no pre-planning, there was no set ending, my 12-year-old self just started weaving an unstructured story about another 12-year-old with hopes of a plot emerging on its own. I don't remember writing this thing at all, but what I do remember are the reactions when I sent around the first couple of chapters. My friends said it made them sad. My English teacher recommended me to the school counselor. My father awkwardly sat on the edge of my bed and asked me if I've ever done drugs. After the first couple of chapters, I had to take a walk around the room. The cringe was strong with this one. The novel dealt with the story of Mark, a character who was totally not based on 12-year-old me because he had different colored hair. He would stroll around town being sad and moody while witnessing people being cruel to each other, Cops constantly shot innocent people, every homeless person was getting spit at, half the population was drunk because they couldn't cope with how unfair life was. I can't believe I actually sent the first couple of chapters to people. I'm happy that at some point I stopped showing off my work and kept the narrative to myself. It was pretty entertaining seeing a funhouse mirror version of my 12-year-old life. The first experience I had with a cigarette was with Jerry Stone. We snuck outside of school during lunch and each smoked half-lucky a strike. In the novel, Mark had his first smoke with the aptly named James Tree and instead of coughing his lungs out and putting out the cigarette halfway through, he smoked like a seasoned veteran and mused about the painful nature of life. I've been on vapes for the past two years, but reading Smoking is the only socially acceptable form of suicide, that's why so many people smoke, it's because they want to die, made me laugh so hard I needed a cigarette. I snuck over to my partner's purse and bummed one of those pop menthol smokes. I kept on reading and Mark kept on getting older. He stumbled through life making and losing friends while going through all sorts of pretentious monologues about how cruel and unpredictable life is. It honestly was starting to get a bit monotone, there's only so many ways you can explore human capacity for selfishness. I figured I'd give it a couple more chapters before going back to bed. But then the sex stuff came. I lit up another one of my partner's smokes. Now I don't want to get too blue. I am talking about the writing of a prepubescent here, but Jesus Christ. Whatever guesses my 12-year-old self had about high school hookups were way off base. Every tryst was loaded with drama, romantic triangles were everywhere, any teacher below 40 was bagging a student, and every time people had sex, they would get off like 12 times a pop. Thank fucking god I never sent this to anyone else. Pretty sure if my parents had ever read this, they would have me sent to a shrink, and would have the school investigated. My early romances were purely limited to being terrified while doing hand stuff at parties. I'm certain none of the teachers banged any of the students, and the number of romantic triangles was pretty sparse throughout my school life. The chapters were frantic, anatomically questionable, and generally off-base in terms of human sexuality. Just the type of thing you'd expect from a 12-year-old writing about what he thinks high school is like. I read through a fair amount of gross sex talk, and then I ran across something that gave me pause. Mark met a girl with a gap in her teeth. Up until this point everything followed a pretty predictable path. Angst, a little bit of booze, more angst, and then some misguided attempts at romance. The story applied to me, but if my 12 year old self had watched any amount of high school movies, he could have made a handful of educated guesses that would have hit near the mark. But the girl with the gap in her teeth was unsettling. That was something real. I read on as 12-year-old me waxed poetic about my senior-year girlfriend. She wasn't completely accurate. There were differences in hair color and other cosmetic bullshit, but it was her. I smoked the rest of the pack as I read about how Mark and I fell in love with Jen. She was Joanne in the book, but it was definitely Jen. The plot started to drag, all conflict disappeared, and Mark and Joanne strolled through a perfect world where people would compliment the beautiful couple every chance that they got. 30 pages into Perfect Romance, I realized it was 4 in the morning. It was all weird. Really weird, but I promised myself I'd go to sleep at adult times in 2022. I snuck into bed around 4.10. At 4.12, our neighbors came home drunk. They were seemingly in a good mood because they came home singing. They then proceeded to continue their singing, now backed with an out-of-tune guitar. My partner woke up and got all sorts of pissed. She yelled about calling the cops, but nothing came of it. I passed out. I was woken up again uh, at around 8. My partner was still in a bad mood. The living room smelled like an ashtray, and her cigarettes were gone. If I had been more lucid, I would have explained myself, but by the time I understood what she was complaining about, she was already out the door. I felt bad about taking her stuff for a bit, and then I went back to sleep. I got up late in the afternoon. As soon as I properly woke up, I went straight to the computer and started reading again. The perfect relationship lasted for about 20 more pages. And then Mark's best friend died. It came out of nowhere. The character wasn't based on anyone I knew and didn't appear earlier in the novel. One of the chapters just started off with Mark at his best friend's funeral. I was confused. For a second I started to wonder whether my 12-year-old self wasn't just really good at guessing the whole gap in a T thing. But then... Mark got a text message. Joanna broke up with him. Jen broke up with me after we put down the family dog. The novel wasn't perfectly accurate, but the spirit of the situation was all there. Twelve-year-old me had predicted my high school breakup. He also predicted the anger. I've been to therapy. I've talked about it spent a good chunk of my adult life looking into that particular mirror, but reading those pages made my blood run cold. A great injustice had happened to Mark. His perfect love was torn apart and no one could understand his pain. He had people in his life who were concerned for him. They wanted to talk it out, but whenever Mark told him about how his one true chance at love was over, they'd bring up some dumb high school crush they had when they were his age. No one understood. It wasn't like you could go, oh, well, the past is the past and get over it. The memories lingered. The father of Joanna with somebody else kept him up at night. He needed to get rid of that image, so he drank. My partner always keeps a bottle of wine in the apartment. She's checked with me a thousand times and I keep on telling her it's fine. It's good to have something to offer up to guests and sometimes she just likes to have a glass after a rough day at work. I don't want my issues to become her issues. I'm not that kind of alcoholic. But reading those pages... Fuck. I haven't craved a drink so bad in five years. Mark drank because he wanted something to take his mind off of his shattered love. I wanted to drink because I wanted something to take my mind off of Mark. I started skimming through the chapters. I don't know how 12-year-old me predicted the drunk chapter of my life, but the last thing I wanted to do was go through it twice. I wanted to find out what happens next. Not to Mark, but to me. Mark drank some more. Mark made mistakes. Mark hit rock bottom. Mark moved back in with his parents. Mark readjusted his expectations. Mark got super into self-help books. Mark went through a flurry of unsatisfying relationships. Mark started to go bald. Mark sent in an application to a children's television program. I got lightheaded. My heart felt weird. I had to remind myself to breathe. I lay down on the couch, fearing a heart attack. That's when she came home. I really love her, like I would marry this person, but I'm still pretty pissed about how everything played out. She comes home complaining about how her accommodation for the training trip got messed up and how she'll have to go on a plane with three hours of sleep. I tell her about the novel, about the predictions and how I've never been more terrified in my life. You know what she says? Oh, that's weird. I wonder how the book ends, then she pours herself a fucking glass of wine and complains about her job like I didn't just fucking tell her I found a book that predicted my entire fucking life. So we argue. The neighbors bang on the wall, she grabs her things and leaves for the airport two hours early. The bottle of white remained on the counter, I'm honestly surprised I didn't touch it then. Instead, like a goddamn grade schooler, I took a deep breath and counted to ten. God bless self-help books. I corked the wine and put it back in the fridge. I desperately wanted to get to the ending of the book, but I also understood I messed up. I took some deep breaths on the couch, meditated for a bit, and then I texted her. She texted back. We both did that three-point apology thing that we promised the therapist we would do, and after a couple texts, we were good as new. She acknowledged that the book thing was freaky. I acknowledged that her boss is an asshole. We both agreed to call the cops next time the neighbors keep us up at night, and then we just talked. I don't remember what we chatted about, but it calmed me down. I stopped thinking about the book. The whole thing was a weird coincidence. A strange, lonely tween's attempt to guess the future that turned out to be partially correct. She'd gone on her plane, and I promised to tell her how the book ends after she lands. I still haven't told her. That's why I'm here. After she got on the plane, I spent a bit more time lying on the couch and trying to come up with a plausible explanation as to how 12-year-old me wrote that book. Nothing noteworthy arose, so I just figured I would rip the band-aid off. I went to the computer and just scrolled through to the last page. I read the ending. It didn't make sense. I needed more context. I scrolled back ten pages and found Mark reading the book. He finds it funny at first, then sentimental, then scary. His girlfriend comes back. They fight, she leaves, they apologize by text after they cool off. He reads the ending and it's dumb. He texts her about it and she texts him about an annoying baby after the plane lands. The two text each other non-stop for the next two days. He sends her dirty texts, she sends him dirty pictures, She comes back home, they make love and fall asleep in each other's arms, recommitted to the relationship. Then the world ends. No explanation, no warning, no closure. Mark and his girlfriend just cuddle up, say they I love you's and... Then the world ends. I have a handful of missed calls from her, all starting with a text about a crying baby on the plane. The bottle of wine is empty and I'm feeling a bit more than buzzed. I don't know what to do. I keep on refreshing new sites, looking for something that could end the world out of nowhere in two days. It seems like World War III is around the corner. I'm scared that if I talk to her, she'll convince me everything is okay. I'm scared that she'll come home and everything is going to be fine. I'm scared we'll fall asleep together. I'm scared we'll Be happy, and everything will be fine. And then the world will end. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J Horton, Alan Rawl, Kus, and Bob Kondrak. If you'd like to join these fine people and support in the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by Patreon.com/slash/MikeJLanger. Langer. is all for tonight. See you all on Thursday with the story "I Heard the Saxophone of Eric Zahn," read by the fantastic Sean Broder.